0: Welcome to the Texas Sports Nation podcast. I'm Greg Rogin with the Houston Chronicle. Joined today by UH beat writer Joseph Duarte. We've got a lot of Cougars news in the past couple weeks, so Joseph and I thought we'd uh, chat it up about it. Joseph, how are things today?
1: Doing well. Uh, Yeah, we can talk U of H news now that back on the mainland. Don't have to get up uh, five hours early for press conferences and Zoom calls. So uh, I think we're on a, a better time schedule now. I, I
0: was going to say, nobody had a better uh, better scenery around them than you when the news broke that UH had officially reached agreement on exit fees from the American Athletic Conference to join the Big 12. So at least you got to ring it in style in Hawaii.
1: Well, I, I heard U of H was going to the Big 12, and I thought it was the University of Hawaii. So I, I decided to go over to Honolulu, be there for the big announcement. Uh, it was 4 a.m. and I didn't see anything Big 12 related on Waikiki Beach. So I got worried and then figured out it was Houston. So I just got on a, a, a lobby uh, business center computer and uh, did the earliest press conference of my uh, two decade plus career.
0: Well, you're a, you're a regular in Hawaii because you were just there a few years ago for bowl game, if I'm
1: not mistaken, right? Houston was there. They played in the uh, the Hawaii Bowl uh, against uh, Fresno State. So, uh, yeah, I've been to the islands a few times.
0: That's a great work trip. I don't think, I don't think there's anything that gets better than that. So let's dive into the. This is a, kind of the latest mile marker for UH in the journey to the Big 12. They've negotiated the exit from the AAC. So they're going to be joining the Big 12 July 1st, 2023. Between now and then, what do you think are the biggest priorities for uh athletic administration getting ready for this conference move?
1: Well, well, Greg, you know this is a, a process that goes back to when when they got the invitation accepted uh, last September, and and now it's now that you have a concrete date, you sort of uh, can start going down the list of things, and there's a bunch of them. You know, there's some of the the things that fans maybe don't don't look at as big deals, but, you know, as each sport ends between now and and the end of uh, next May, you know, you're going to have to start rebranding every venue on campus, whether it's, you know, TDCU Stadium or, or the Fertitta Center or just even in some of the offices with letterhead and stuff. you got to transition from the American logo to the Big 12 logo. That's That takes a lot of time. It, it takes some money uh, because, you know, they, they've had, close to, you know, 10 years in the American so that that's uh that logo is everywhere so that that's one of the the smaller things and then you look at big picture things. Uh they've got to up the the fundraising. They've got to get people on board, uh you know, start thinking and acting like a big 12 program in terms of being able to raise it, uh, revenue uh from outside sources. Uh and then you look at, you know, other things like scheduling, you know, with football how does that work? They're going to have some spots to fill now that you know Texas Tech and Kansas become go from non-conference to to conference games. So just little things like that, but it certainly is enough to fill the calendar for the next twelve months. And and you, you the goal is you want to be ready to just jump in and and uh, take off when you get in July first, twenty
0: twenty three. How much of the work? toward a new football facility on campus gets fast-tracked now? Because I know they were in the stage where they were looking to hire an architect to you know design this, but now that you know when the date is that you're going to be in the Big 12, does this project really get the
1: wheels going now? Well, this is something they've talked about since You know, since Tom Herman was there and then when Dana Holgerson got here in 2019, that was one of the first things he immediately said that they needed to to do. So uh, fast track, you know, they they had already been on that, you know, the last few months, whether it was looking at architect, uh, you know, the architect who's going to do it, uh, rolling out some of the the renderings. And, and getting the 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 money lined up you know this is a 60 million maybe 70 million range project and they feel like they're in a position now where hopefully by the end of this year they can you know put shovel in the ground and, and get this thing rolling so maybe maybe not so much fast track you know they, they the plan was sometime around the end of this year but certainly, uh, when you know that, you know, even on a smaller scale, you're going to have some additional revenue coming in and also you want to to get this facility going so that in the at least in the early stages of membership, uh, you have something that that is a given really for for all the other schools uh, that you can make it happen. So it, it maybe not fast track, but it, it's certainly at the top of the, the priority list and, and it'll get done uh you know sooner now rather than you know the posturing uh, that that comes with facilities like this. Uh, you know at other places.
0: When you look at this from a Big Twelve perspective, what are the biggest things that UH brings to this league?
1: Uh, you know, well, first, you know, you look at the market. I, I think that that's that's a huge factor, and I know. That the argument will be made that you know the Big Twelve has had the, the Houston market with with Texas in the past, but but there's something to be said when when you actually have the the market and the school, and I, and I think this is a, a an athletic department and a program uh, with the number of you know, current alums in the area, and you know sort of an untapped uh, you know program because of the years that I think a lot of people have been. Waiting for this to happen. And, and now that it has, you know, I, th- I think you'll, you'll see Houston sort of unleash itself uh, to back into major college athletics. So between that, the 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 television market, uh, just the sheer numbers, uh, Houston, Houston offers a lot. And then you just look at the on on the field. Uh, you got a basketball program that, that should be top three top five in the preseason a football team that is being mentioned as the the new year six rep out of the group of five and uh, you know there's some other you know sports that have have done well so uh, in the end I think they 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 add some value to the big twelve uh certainly not replacing Texas and Oklahoma by any means none of the 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 four incoming but but there there will be positives to having Houston in uh, that group
0: Speaking of Texas and Oklahoma, as of now, they are still in the big twelve and not they haven't negotiated an exit yet so they could go to the SEC. What do you think the likelihood is from the chatter you heard about you know football scheduling once Houston gets in of you know maybe UH hosting Texas in twenty twenty three or twenty twenty four
1: I think that's a a real possibility you know back in late May, early June, when we were at the big 12 meetings, I didn't hear any type of chatter that led me to believe that Texas and Oklahoma were going to get out of the big 12 before the, uh, their, the deal expires in, in 2025. So that gives two years, uh, after, after this year that, that, uh, that Houston will be in the same league. And I think with, with the fact that they'll probably go with no divisions, uh, you're gonna have uh, schools uh, that play each other and, and I think that in, that that will include Houston playing both uh, Texas and Oklahoma and you know how that goes Greg you know that's been a a, a desire by by Houston folks for many many years to get on the field uh, with with the, the the state rivals and you know whether it's just a one-time deal where you know they go to Austin for a game and then you know Texas turns around the, the last year and comes here. Uh, I, I think that'll just be big. I, th- I think that's something that you know, that will be a huge draw. Uh, and in return, we were joking. We think uh, Dana Hogerson will probably get sent to Morgantown his first year back. So if you could have the Longhorns in Houston and Hogerson going to uh, to Morgantown, I think that'll be huge. Two storylines for your your first year in the Big Twelve. You
0: know, if we accept Texas as number one, how do you think the interest? how would you rank the other Texas schools in the Big 12 in terms of the interest of Houston fans wanting to see them play here?
1: Oh, I I think, you know, you look at will there be an interest in Kansas or Kansas? Well, Kansas in basketball certainly, and, you know, but for the most part, those Texas schools are, I think, are a huge draw uh, for packing in uh, home games at TDCU Stadium. You know, Center Center's already a place that gets sold out, but you know, if I had to to rank them, you know, to enter the Big Twelve, I think Texas is one. I think uh, you know they've played Texas Tech recently. I, I may even go uh, Baylor or TCU in that two spot, and then you know, Tech Tech is the lesser one just because there's been some games played. But those playing those Texas schools is is huge. It will bring back some nostalgia from the Southwest Conference. States. Plus, those programs have done well in the past, and, and whether it's basketball. Or football, I think Houston is anxious to uh, to get back on the field and, and sort of prove itself. We all know what happened uh, the last time they, they went from independent to Southwest Conference. They just rolled into that league and dominated it. Uh, and then the other factor is, you know, now that Houston is in the Big Twelve with those schools, uh, recruiting changes. You know, Houston can't can't uh, doesn't go into the the live rooms anymore, and, and and not able to say, hey, you know, we're not in in the major conference you know they, they can't be used against them like it has in in the past so a uh, lot a of, lot of reasons for those text other Texas schools to sort of be uh, be mindful of what's coming in because at, at full strength and the ability to recruit have some money at its disposal uh, Houston can be very dangerous in this league uh, you know whether it's with or without Texas and Oklahoma.
0: What does uh going to the Big Twelve mean for the future of the uh, Bayou Bucket rivalry rivalry with Rice? Will there still be an opening there for them to play every year? Considering you know how many teams are going to be in the Big Twelve and the football schedule.
1: You know that 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 inner city game has has sort of seen its on and off phase uh, the last you know ten plus years. Whether it's when when Rice went to its conference and Houston was in theirs and they took a break. And, you know, I, I get the sense that it is a game they, they'd like to continue on both sides. You know, Houston's scheduling uh, will lend itself where, you know, the Big 12 requires uh, some type of scheduling in terms of, of who you schedule. You're not going to see, you know, a lot of 1AA uh, or FCS opponents on the schedule. So I, I think it, it does open up the door where one of those games each year can be between Rice and Houston. You know, obviously the the lack of travel involved helps from a budget standpoint. And you know, Rice is going. You know, people forget Rice. Rice is moving for conference 8 to the American. So Rice would fit all of the 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 criteria in terms of one of those non conference games. And it looks like if if the Big Twelve does go to nine games, you know, Houston will just need three uh, conference non conference games each year. So why not uh, have a uh, uh, the home and home type situation there, and then uh, arrange for some other games. Whether it's you know maybe you keep a a Memphis or somebody like that, or you keep you know another high profile uh, FBS school. But I, I certainly hope that the, the Bayou Bucket doesn't you know go into the the trash bin and and that they they find a way to make this work out.
0: Okay, I want to transition to UH's most high profile sport right now, men's basketball likely the program that's arguably the best position to compete in the Big 12. We're a couple weeks removed from Marcus Sasser announcing that he will return to UH next season. How much of a surprise was it to you that Sasser pulled himself out of the NBA draft?
1: Well, you know, I'd be lying if I didn't say it was somewhat of a surprise, just because, you know, you've seen kids go down this road and, 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 One way or another, somebody gets into their ear and decides, hey, you know, you need to stay in and then it doesn't work out for him. But on the other hand, Marcus Sasser was very upfront with with folks, whether it was the media or even, you know, the coaching staff at Houston. And he said, look, if I'm not a guaranteed uh, first round guy then I'll come back. Uh, what sort of tipped the scales and you started to wonder was when he had the type of performance he did in Chicago at the the pre-combine and then getting the combine invite, uh, you know, he, he increased his stock. He proved that he was over the, the foot injury and that he was a, a guy that, you know, frankly, he was playing at an all American caliber at the time he got hurt last December. And you wondered, was this going to be enough that some team may, may, and take a flyer on him. But to get him back just showed uh, what that could do for this program because people are already talking about them being a a top 10 team. And and when he made his announcement, uh, you started seeing national uh, previews and and analysts going out and saying that this was a, a, a bona fide national title contender. I think they've got the second best odds right now of any team uh, they, I'm seeing them as number one projected seeds already, uh, for one of the regionals next year. And, and, oh, by the way, it's, it's going to be played at NRG. So, uh, yeah, Kelvin Sampson, uh, has done a lot of things since he's been here. This, this team, uh, could be the one and, and I, for Houston fans that have long waited going back to five Sama and Elvin Hayes, this, this could be a really special year in the making for that program.
0: You know, with Sasser back and they added Malik Wilson, a transfer guard from Texas Tech, they're one scholarship shy of the maximum 13 right now. Do you see that being filled anytime soon or is Samson going to take his time to fill that last spot?
1: Well, in our, our last Zoom with, with Kelvin, I, I asked that, that exact question, Greg. And, you know, they, this staff has typically held one back. Sort of a rainy day type deal. If they need it, if they do use it, I, they use it on a front court player. Uh, get another, get another forward. But I think for now, this roster set. You 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 looked at some of the names that they were involved in. Uh, during the offseason with the transfer portal, you know, Kenny Lofton Jr. From, from La Tech was a guy that I thought that that spot would have gone to had he decided not to stay in the NBA draft. And and he I think he would have been a, a beast for them here once he got into this program. But with one spot left, I think they keep it and see where, where they go with it. He, Kelvin Sampson's quote was, never say never, but he felt like his roster was set going into next year, but uh, it'll be good to have that one in the back pocket just in case something comes up here in the next few months.
0: Last basketball question for you. Which newcomer to the roster do you think fans should be the most excited about?
1: Jairus Walker. You know, and I know that's probably the easy way. You talk about five-star, you know, guy that could potentially be a one-and-done, but all early reports are of him – being on campus is that this is a an impact player, a, a freshman that will come in and and uh, could make an immediate impact. But you no, know, I also like Terrence Arsenault. You know the sharpshooter from Beaumont United. I think he fits in really nicely with with their their guard uh, rotation. Uh, but you know everybody right now, the, the, all the focus is on on Jerris Walker because uh, you know Houston's hasn't had a guy of that magnitude come in uh in a really, really long time. So it'll be interesting to see how he mixes in playing in that, you know, that four spot.
0: Unfortunately, we have to close the podcast on kind of a somber note. Um, this week on Thursday, uh Leroy Burrell, longtime UH track and field coach, really an icon of the program, announced that he was leaving for Auburn. He said he kind of needed a clean slate after the suicide of his son Cameron in twenty twenty one. Um obviously that is an unfathomable tragedy. I can't imagine what he's gone through for the last year plus. How much of a surprise was Leroy Burrell leaving at this time or did you kind of have a feeling this would be coming eventually?
1: Well, you know I I can't relate. You know, nobody who hasn't lost a child can can relate, but but you look at sort of how things played out this year. If, if you follow him on Twitter, you know, it was a daily reminder, you know, whether he walked into the building, uh, he was reminded, uh, you know, whether he was out on the track, there were the reminders. And then on social media, you know, every day it would it'd be a new post about, you know, I miss you. I can't believe this happened. Uh, so there was, there's was there been a lot uh, weighing on him that people probably figured and then a lot more that that those of us that can't understand what he's going through so you know in my 20 something years covering sports Greg if there was a move that was going to be made and and for the for the reason that it was that this made absolute sense I you know you can't imagine being at a place where uh as he put it you, you're not able to to celebrate your son you're going in every day mourning him and this is a chance for him to move on and as he told us uh at his Auburn you know, press conference, you know, now he feels like he can build a legacy for his son in two places, go off and accomplish something at Auburn, but also at the same time, uh, you know, celebrate what, what they did at the University of Houston. So big, big news bombshell really, uh, because of what Leroy Burrow has meant to this program with all the championships and and all-americans and and stuff and you know it'll be interesting to see what direction they go you know Carl Lewis uh and Leroy Burrell were big friends they were former competitors uh you know Santa Monica Track Club you know Olympics uh that that's something we'll be seeing how where Carl Lewis uh figures into all this and then as of now Will Blackburn the associate head coach is the interim coach so uh, Leroy's message uh, to us on the on the press conference call was that he hopes that the administration keeps some sense of continuity and promotes from within.
0: UH Athletics has had some larger than life figures as head coaches. If you look at Guy Lewis, Bill Yeoman, Tom Tellez in track and field, how does Leroy Burrell compare to the great coaches in school history, in your opinion?
1: Well, just with longevity, I mean, he's up there. You know, I was thinking about that this morning, uh, and, and obviously with with Guy Lewis, with the 500 plus wins in basketball, uh, he's on that Mount Rushmore. Bill Yeoman is on there, and, and Tom Telez. and then and then the list from there. You know, you start talking about more recent, and you know, granted, Leroy was over over 20 plus years. You know, he's he's got to be top four, top five all-time coaches. Uh, You know, Kelvin Sampson made a comment uh, on the day that Leroy left saying, you know, that he's on that Mount Rushmore and it it sort of begins with him and and those others. So, uh, yeah, you don't see coaches these days uh, stay at at one school that long. And the fact that he had ties to the university, was a Cougar, uh, it just all fit. And then the ability to bring in Carl Lewis – first as a volunteer and as an, as a full-time assistant, uh, you know, it just worked for them and they were able to do things that other programs can do. You, you know, how would you like to be a track and field recruit and you get a visit in your living room from the one time fastest man in the world, Leroy Burrell, and a, a arguably the, the greatest, one of the greatest Olympians in, in U S history and track and field. So, uh, they, uh, they have done a tremendous amount here and, I, and I, I I think Leroy as he put it you know with all he has invested uh, tears blood and sweat that that they go and you know I don't think it's Carl Lewis that becomes the head coach I think will Blackburn Blackburn uh, would be the guy but if they can keep the staff uh, pretty much intact uh, I, th- I think it helps them moving forward and and keeps that that UH brand uh, where they they've spent so much time trying to build it up to
0: Joseph Duarte, thank you for sharing your insights on uh, University of Houston Athletics. No one covers the Cougars like you do. Appreciate your time. Thanks, Greg. For those who want to read more of Joseph's coverage, please go to HoustonChronicle.com slash sports. Thanks very much for listening.